hello. Welcome to Sound Engagement. I am Brad Mills, and I should explain why we don't have Peter Anderson with us. Uh, he, this is a little late for him. And so he is uh, maybe going to join us, maybe not. Might be going to bed already. Uh, but we have uh, a special guest with us this evening. I wanted to change up the timing for when we um, when we went live for our episode, just to just to see if we could get a little more engagement from the audience. And my friend Leandre McBride is with us, so grateful uh, to have him. And just have been following him on Facebook for a while now. He is uh, hilarious and has a, a co some controversial opinions, but maybe. Leandre, would you say? Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I'll just jump right in with your, I, I, th I thought I would say, um, you know, you have your own description on, on Facebook that says you're a political scientist, American supremacist, Negro, urban apologist, and this chapa don't jam. So <laughs> each one of those <laughs> statements labels some more controversial than others but could you explain why why you chose that description um and then also i think you're a student right now maybe yes. explain what you're what you're studying yeah uh so so the political scientist portion is so one one of the things i study is uh, political science to do that and uh, um in in law uh law and public policy um so political scientists one of the things that i do is i take a look at things that take place in the political spectrum um and then i will I'll examine it. I'll talk about the merits of these cases. I'll make policy prescriptions. It's one of the things that I do. Um, it's one of the things I do all the time on Facebook. Uh, American supremacist. Uh, this one in particular um, is because I, while I don't believe that there are uh, any superior people groups, I do believe that some cultures um, are better than others. And I think that the American mm -hmm. culture um, exemplifies um, values. And I think that that the world, um, I think that the world at large kind of kind of echoes that same view as, as most people adopt rights and things like that that were championed uh, by Americans. So I believe that um, American ideas are supreme above most of the cultures. Um, Negro, uh, that one uh, as the um, <laughs> I got going on, uh, that is uh, that is uh, something that um, is, is, is a label I, I, um, I heartily embrace. Um, um, I think that um, I like to celebrate uh, my, my heritage, you know, the, the way that God chose to bring me here. Urban apologists, one of the things I love to do is I love to uh, defend the um, um, historic Christian faith. Um, I, I do so in, in settings that are more urban um, and, you know, with, with the churches and, and people who are from that particular area. And then the last part of it says, when this chop it on jam. Now, I get I get threatened quite a bit online. And so that is my uh, that's my way of uh, signaling to that urban community that I am a Second Amendment proponent. So ah. so that that's what all that's about. Oh, well, I. That's perfect. That's a, a great segue into the, our topic for today, then. Um, so you are studying political science and uh, and law. Correct. Do you have what are your ambitions with that? I mean, do you want to be a politician? Do you want to be uh, um, a lawyer? No, no. So I, I, I would. So one. So as as uh, uh, I don't think that anyone would ever vote for me for much of anything. Uh, <laughs> and it's and it's and it's, uh, uh, there's you know, reasons um, why that is. I think that most of the people that end up actually ever making it to political office um, have to do a lot of compromising to get there, even compromising mm -hmm. things that they know just to be um, untrue, like economic principles, things go out the window. There's all sorts of topics that in politics that they tell you, you can't even touch their third rail issues. Well, that's all the stuff that I want to talk about. So for right. that reason, I know that I'll never be elected to any particular office. And so 
hence you know but uh hence the hence the the law study i can go into yeah. law and you know no one can stop me from having my own firm and you know and i can i can push for change uh, i can push for change um uh, in that capacity trying to affect the larger culture well that's awesome so okay i had several topics i you know i've I've known you for a while and I've, I've seen some of the stuff you, you like to, uh, to, to post and to kind of stir the pot a bit and, and you're not afraid of controversy. We've, we've tried to uh, approach the same kinds of issues on this show where, where we are talking about the things that are, like you said, third rail things that people don't want to touch. And one of those issues that I'm really interested in talking about is this is kind of the state of abortion right now in the United States talking about the um, particular case that's coming before the Supreme Court. I think uh, uh, they're going to hear testimony on December 1st. Uh, so this is a, this is Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. There's kind of a, a, a growing push for people to be aware of this, to talk about it, to pray about it as believers. And so um, even November 29th, uh, an edition of National Review is coming out, which if you have the online edition, you can you can get some of the information now. But it's uh, it's titled End Row. And the, the whole goal of it is to obviously overturn Roe versus Wade, which is the case that's coming forward. So it's Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. It hasn't been uh, even attempted for 29 uh, years. And so there, this is an opportunity for the Supreme Court to hear a case where the only way the law that's currently on the books in Mississippi, the only way that can be upheld is if they overturn Roe v. Wade, as well as um, probably Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which both of them are extremely flimsy from what I understand. So I do want to, I want to talk about that. And we recently reconnected at a, at a pro-life um, meeting for pastors and you shared your testimony and it just, it's, uh, it was encouraging to hear. I'd love for you to share that with our sound engagement audience and, and then just talk with you about those cases. Absolutely. And, um, so I really thought about making this episode about that, but in light of the, just the chaos and, and all of the, the constant, um, press that is surrounding the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. I thought we would we touch that before the topic is disappears because I think when it gets to the jury, I, I believe by Monday, uh, it it's it seems like it's going to be wrapped up pretty quickly and then disappear from our radar. Yeah. Um, so no, one other thing before I jump in, we jump into the that topic is uh, I know you have read some Thomas Sowell. And Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance, two books that I'm reading right. Or Hillbilly Elegy, I just recently finished. And I'm currently reading Black Rednecks and White Liberals by Thomas Sowell. And I think both of those books really give a, a kind of a, a good perspective of class, culture, and race that, that's not talked about um, nearly enough, certainly by mainstream media. And so mm -hmm. it's sort of like do a compare and contrast between woke kind of the woke media and, uh, versus what Vance and Soul are commending or explaining by in their books. I think obviously Soul is a lot more kind of academic and, um, you know, data driven, whereas 
Vance is much more just a story and both of them excellent books, but uh, I think they capture the topic well. Um, so anyways, those, that's another topic I may come back uh, and, and hit you up for a yeah, yeah. you again. Tap me on the uh, shoulder. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so let's jump into this case, Kyle Rittenhouse. And I think, I think just honestly, I had to remember what the tri what the reason was that they were writing. I mean, there were so many riots happening <laughs> at the beginning and I couldn't remember what the name was of the individual that had been shot and uh, paralyzed. Um, but it was, you know, Jacob Blake and they're in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, so immediately when they, when the news presented a white cop shooting uh, a black man, an unarmed black man was the story, right? The, the headlines and that then riots broke out. Um, and it wasn't just a small riot, you know, there's arsonists and there's, uh, there's fighting and, and there's violence in the streets. So, what what were the circumstances surrounding that that you that you recall? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, as, as far as the the thing that started first, you have like the the sort of entire George Floyd situation, right? And you have protest stuff that erupted. Um, I remember actually talking about. I did some posts about it um, um, around the time when all stuff was going on. Sometime like the summer of last year, and uh, there were at least twenty states that were involved uh, in the most expensive uh, riot protest in American history. Uh, billions of dollars involved, properties, things like that destroyed. And so there was this this sort of nationwide thing in over 20 states. Um, even here in Fresno, we had some of the similar issues, as, as I'm sure you right. know. Uh, and then yeah. and so then you have the then you have Jacob Blake, completely unrelated to the George Floyd stuff. But um, the call came into police uh, that um, that this man Jacob Blake had broken into an ex's house, uh, that he had uh, digitally with his fingers penetrated her uh, against her will. Um, that, you know, that there had been some, some sort of rough play and stuff like that going on there that he ended up stealing her car. And so police, uh, you know, are called out, you know, they contact him and, you know, try to get him out the car. He's arguing stuff back and forth with police. And then when they go to try to arrest him, he tries to make his way back to the car and he's, you know, what is rightfully defined as resisting arrest. And then, um, what we knew at the time was, is that well, what was stated at the time, especially in, in mainstream media was that. Um, as he was shot seven times in his back uh, while he was fleeing, that he was unarmed. And so the original narrative, he's unarmed. And so then, especially in the wake of the George Floyd stuff, protests just erupt, uh, you know, uh, in the in the Wisconsin area, because that's where, uh, in the Kenosha, Wisconsin area, because that's where the, the actual shooting took place. So on on with the George Floyd thing kind of as a backdrop, and then with the original narrative that, you know, the media usually rushes to report, and that was the narrative that was spun, and then people go crazy all over. So, yeah. So why was, so the, the other story here, cause once obviously Kyle Rittenhouse's name gets into the picture, I mean, they're, the news is tracking the events of, uh, I don't even know what night it was or, um, but it, was it immediately came out that he was, yeah. What was it? I think it was August 25th. I think it was okay. the exact night. Yeah. So we we hear about Kyle Rittenhouse immediately. We find out he's not a resident of Kenosha. He's traveled in. He's crossed state lines, and he's a minor. Right. So what what's he doing there in Kenosha? Yeah. So the what was <laughs> and 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 there's there's one of the thing, one of the beautiful things about having a trial 
is, is that all sorts of other stuff comes out. But the original narrative that uh, that was spun at first, that was everywhere on, on all TVs, newspapers, social media, uh, everywhere, was that, you know, he came there uh, as a part of uh, some uh, likely white supremacist militia or armed militia group, uh, uh, probably looking to start trouble. Um, and so that was the that was the original narrative. What we know from the trial is that Kyle Rittenhouse was there doing all sorts of things that I think most reasonable people would call charitable: scrubbing, uh, painting graffiti and stuff off walls, putting fires out, uh, helping bandage people's wounds. Um, you know that someone mm. rolled or twisted their ankle, and he's um, he's operating as a medic as well as um, he's outside of a auto repair shop, uh, protecting the protecting the business uh, which had they tried to set on fire. Uh, several of these businesses uh, the nights before. So that's why he was there. Um, we also know now, which we didn't know before because the original thing, he's not a resident. He's not a resident. Well, he'd lived there and, and been there numerous times. His father actually lives there. But originally okay. it was just this whole thing. He just, he crossed state lines. He came in. He has no business here. He but now we know why he was there. Yeah. Looking for a fight. Right. That was the narrative. So, and apparently it's only about 20 minutes away, his yeah. residence in Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's the that's and that's been one of the things too. Uh, you know, with that original narrative, it's like, oh well, I I'm thinking, you know, this guy like came in, right. like, he was like bust in, you know, or something he, like, like flew that. in, yeah, yeah, you know, and and he lives like less than 20 minutes away. It's supposed to be 15 miles or something like that. But it's like 20 minutes away that it takes him yeah. to get there. That's my daily commute. Yeah. So from- <laughs> yeah, you can imagine someone from like the Los Angeles area, like here and like, oh, it was just like 20 minutes and. Like everywhere in, in the right. LA area, it takes like 45 minutes to get. So, right. Yeah. That's not even across town for them. All right. So, so, so again, based on that idea, this narrative that's being presented, you had really two sides immediately um, clashing in the media, right? You have uh, Kyle's a, a white supremacist vigilante. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, which is interesting, right? On the other side, you have that he's kind of a heroic patriot. So you have on one side, Kyle's uh, a white supremacist vigilante. Ironically, or maybe not ironically, all of his victims are white. Right. Um, but he's still accused of being a white supremacist because he was there at all to begin with, right? right. Because he's there and he's not a, not obviously on the side of the rioters. He's there to apparently or allegedly protect property, maybe protect and preserve life. Uh, which, uh, you know, I know this is a side and maybe getting ahead of us uh, ourselves, but Gage Gross, Gross Kreutz. Yeah, yeah, Gross course. Gross Kreutz. Yeah, he says the same thing, right? He was even wearing a hat that said paramedic on it. Um, and so you have <laughs> two guys on opposite sides. One's a, one's portrayed as, you know, a, a victim and Kyle's there essentially doing the same thing. And because the circumstances were that Kyle did not get injured in the incident or at least significant seriously injured um right. that that he becomes the uh the bad guy right he's just immediately the target so you have even joe biden at the time making comments <laughs> about right that that he's a white supremacist vigilante yeah and justice should be served one one yeah. other point and then i want to hear your thoughts but uh k edward copeland wrote an article for the gospel coalition that actually compared Kyle Rittenhouse to Dylan Roof, who was the white supremacist who entered into a black church and killed nine people. And so you have organizations like the the Gospel Coalition essentially doing the same thing as 
the woke media comparing this kid who they don't know anything about to to a mass shooter. Uh, so, anyways, uh, I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's one of the things that 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 I found interesting is um, is the the sort of narrative. Um, I don't know if it, if it's consciously or if it's just from familiarity that the, that the way that the narrative was given in the first place, it seemed to in the minds of a lot of people, especially people that I had spoken with, to invoke images in other cases, like for example, like calling Kyle Rittenhouse a vigilante. Um, for a lot of people that I ended up having conversations with, they immediately got pictures of a George Zimmerman uh, mm -hmm. sort of situation. And so that immediately came to their mind, and that's another situation that they they think is an automatic wrong. And so they think that you know this is here is an instance of someone else doing this. And then you know, and then uh, as well with the other like Ahmad Arbery sort of thing going on. And they think, well, these are just people, just vigilantes going out, just killing people. And it it just it brought up a, a bunch of other images. And again, I don't know if that's consciously or unconsciously, but I know that one of the results was that is that people get these other pictures in their minds, thinking that oh, this is. This is a case like this, and you have just this this white kid on the run, and then he, and in Kyle Rittenhouse likewise had um, the most hated weapon in America, the mm -hmm. AR-15, and so there's just all of these pictures and stuff that come to mind, um, and so it's it's it was easy to just say well, yes, and so it's obviously based on the evidence, based on you know the other cases like the Zimmerman case and and whatever else, that this kid is a white vigilante who was just out for blood. Um, and, you know, there's, there, there didn't need to be, no one decided to, to wait, no one wanted to check anything out. No. And it's been one of the interesting thing too, is, is about the trial is one of the things that they've asked witnesses who had said that sort of thing is, well, where's the evidence for any of this? None has come to substantiate that the kid was a white supremacist there to cause trouble in any fashion whatsoever. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, it just fits the narrative. And, yeah. and then once you have that narrative in mind, it's extremely difficult to to change that opinion, right? Because now it almost doesn't matter what the result is. If he is convicted, um, there's going to be there's going to be an uproar, uh, and because it would be a miscarriage of justice, we'll get to, we'll get to that. <laughs> but if he is acquitted, every you know all the people that were there rioting to begin with are just going to say, "See." The why the why gets off. Uh, it's only the black guy that's got eight bullet holes in his, you know, or five bullet holes in his back, right? Jacob Black. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's or Blake, which, which, which is funny. Which is funny because that was that was one of the things that uh, uh, already, and, and and it's just it just goes to your point. One of the things that came out like instantly, the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse in in the community stuff and the people that I end up having a lot of conversation with, the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse was alive after turning himself into police, they immediately brought out the comparisons, and it didn't matter like one bit what the particulars of the situation were um right. it, it, you know it, it didn't matter you know they say well, he you know he he called rittenhouse you know he, he shot these people why isn't he why isn't he dead and jacob blake has been shot and and you know a lot of people just aren't even concerned with the particulars of the case and you know th there's there's nothing that could that they would take as falsifiable for the, for their view which is it fits the narrative and then it's, it's just gonna everything only serves to confirm that narrative yeah all right. So I do uh, want to do just a little bit of thinking, you know, critical thinking here and and compare this uh, or, or let's just say, OK, what is the Christian defense? Right. I, we won't we won't go down the narrative of, of trying to justify that this kid's a 
an American patriot or something. Um, but let's just think about this as, as Christians. And you said you're, you're a proponent of the Second Amendment. So am I uh, you know, advocate of that. How do we defend the right to bear arms as believers when, you know, Jesus says, turn the other cheek, love your enemies, pray for them? Uh, I'm sure you've you've heard. Yeah. Push back. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, it's, and it's one of the one of the uh, advantages of uh, of having uh, of attending a, a school that's largely Mennonite is that you have to encounter these sorts of uh, arguments yeah. kind of all the time, is because most of them are 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 more pacifist um, in you know in in their views. Um, yeah. So I, I think I think that that one of like one of the one of the main things is 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 that uh, uh, life is something that is sacred uh, to God. Uh, it is it is one hundred percent something that that is sacred to God. I think that there's a duty. Uh, that we have in um, in the protection of life, um, uh, even as it relates to some of the wars that Israel would get in as as they were the theocratic nation, uh, some of these things were defensive, some of these things were preventative. Uh, there were there were reasons um, which you could justify um, sort of armed combat, armed responses, uh, certain things. Um, I think that um, as it relates to like for husbands, uh, fathers, parents, you know, people, if, you know, you have people that God has given you a charge and he's asked you to protect these people um and i think that that there's all sorts of you know ways in which you know you that that you have to go about doing so even um when it comes to taking a life to protect a life um mm. and and i and i don't see anything it, so those are the sort of positive things i think are established and i don't see anything that's incompatible uh, with it in you know in, in any of my study of scripture um like at all yeah uh, so so anyway so yeah your, your thoughts on it no, yeah, I think I, you've got the Noahic, um, you know, covenant where where basically if you, if someone takes a life, they their life should be taken, right? They if they have proven themselves to not value life, then uh, to not value the image of God that others have been created in, then they they have proven that their life uh, that they're not worthy of living their life, which is which is maybe hard to hear, but, and I'm not saying you just, you take that vengeance into your own hands, right? I think you got to go follow thing, follow through uh, the proper channels of, of law and, and allow that to take its uh, proper course. But one of the rights that we have as well is self-defense. And in fact, maybe, maybe one of the hardest ones for Mennonites to, to respond to is when Jesus told his disciples to sell their cloak and, and buy, buy a sword, sword <laughs> if they didn't have one. <laughs> like it's better for you to not have your outer garment and to have a sword with you uh, to protect you. Um, yeah. It, so. One of the things, one of the things that's interesting too, like as, as I was talking to you before we, before we started to scream and, and uh, as we were going through with, uh, with one of the professors looking at the, um, 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 at God's commandments and um, as it relates mm. to the old covenant and uh, the the means of, of as, as some of the ones that, that you've hinted at already of, uh, of, of even things like capital punishment. One of the assumptions there and the absence of having like a like a police force and things like that was that your family was going to uh, mm. remedy the wrong that was done in the taking of your life. And so you, you the, the capital punishment in, in, in some of these cases uh, would be carried out by your family. So after family, it was taken yeah. care of by, by the proper channels, things like that, that was their, that was their system. It wasn't vigilante style stuff, but it was, um, right. it was, it, it well, was, they would have the cities of refuge. Yeah, right, for, exactly. Yes. For so you'd have the cities of refuge stuff, especially, uh, uh, unless you were someone who had actually willfully done their action, then you, you right. couldn't expect to find refuge in the cities. But yeah. And so that was one of the ones that I think I brought up to one of my Mennonite professors, um, but, you know, nice. so yeah. 
That's that's good. All right. Well, so let's get into the specifics of the case. And then I'd uh, love to kind of talk as well about the reactions to the case since the trial has begun. Uh, I know you've followed this a lot more closely and even probably listened to much of the or at least more chunks of the trial than I have listened to. But I I had to become familiar with the charges themselves. What what are the charges that were brought against him? And basically, I would just summarize it as saying that if the jury finds Rittenhouse guilty of homicide, like an intentional homicide, which is just the language they use instead of it'd be first first degree intentional homicide instead of first degree murder. Um, not sure why they changed the the wording, but it's the same idea. It's a it's a life sentence in prison if he is charged with that. There's a bunch of other lesser charges like, um, you know, reckless uh, attempt at first degree murder for <laughs> for the uh, Gage Grosskreutz and as well as a, uh, what is it? Um, what's the case with uh, Joseph Rosenbaum? It's, it, uh, what I, I can't remember the wording of the charge, but basically one is like an intentional homicide, meaning it, it seems clear that he was uh, from the prosecutor's side of the case. They're, they're arguing that he, he intended to kill and he did kill. In another case, he killed someone, but it might've been accidental. And then in the third one, it's uh, that he attempted to kill, but he didn't actually, he wasn't successful. If uh, then on top of that, there's this first degree recklessly endangering safety. And there's two counts of that where he, it, you know, some bullets went by someone. And so since they were close to the scene, he was reckless enough. He could have, he could have done much more damage is the, is the argument. Um, and so those, those things add more time to his prison sentence. Um, and then there's the misdemeanor. So those are all felony charges. Yeah. And then he has a misdemeanor charge of possession of a dangerous weapon for a person under 18. And conviction of that particular misdemeanor typically simply results in a probation. Uh, there's yeah. not, I mean, although there's, it could be higher. I think it's like nine months, up to nine months in prison and $25,000. But almost in every case, it's just reduced to probation. Um, so it, so what I want to do, and, and I want to hear your thoughts on, on each one of those charges. Maybe we go through each one of the um, looters or the arsonists, um, which whatever, I mean, some would call them the victims, but actually the judge has, has said, you cannot call them that in, at least in the closing statements, um, yeah. they, they cannot be called victims because it's too, um, it, uh, it's too, too suggestive. Yeah. yeah. Too prejudicial. So that, so that's the argument from the prosecution side. Then you have the defense arguing that he's not guilty of any of them. Right. I thought that was surprising um, because the possession of a dangerous weapon for an under someone who's under 18 seems to be an obvious one. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll start with that misdemeanor and then we'll work through the more significant yeah. charges. Yeah. So so one, one of the things that uh, that that the defense has done, um, they they had filed a formal motion uh, to get that charge just just flat out dismissed um, okay. uh, uh, on an a priori basis because. Um, there is case law and precedent to support the fact that the that uh, and, and one of the things that happened early on in the media and it was, it was really interesting watching it happen i was preparing to do a live um on that specific one when he was first uh when he was first charged with it 
showing okay. uh, Wisconsin law supporting the use and uh, uh, the, the possession of weapons by minors under the age of 18 years old. And so if they're 16 or 17, and there's these cases where they can have weapons. And it's one of the things that, that's come out um, as the defense prepared a motion. Now, the judge at first denied the motion the, uh, uh, to, just to dismiss it. And then they had filed, uh, well, then they, they had asked for reconsideration of the motion. The judge has seemingly left it uh, left it up in the air. He hasn't decided on it yet. But yeah, there's a, uh, there were all sorts of lawyers around the Wisconsin area who were saying, no, yeah, like th there is actually exemptions for 16 and 17 year olds to possess weapons in certain cases. Um, it, it wow. especially as it relates to especially as it relates to uh, to long guns. Um, now it, it's not the same for uh, for handguns. If, if memory serves, I think I read it. The the I, I read through the actual law last year. But yeah, there is precedent um, and Supreme Court precedent in their state uh, supporting uh, the fact that legislators intended to allow minors aged 16 and 17 in in the uh, presence of an adult um, in in for use of training. Uh, hunting and, and these other limited circumstances for them to be able to possess weapons. So that's why. So so the defense is like, well, he's not guilty of that one either. The prosecution, wow. the prosecution wants to and needs to hang on to this one because it's part of their narrative. Right. It, it, it paints the part of the thing that says, well, he had no right to be there and he shouldn't have had a gun in the first place. Now, as a matter of law, that really doesn't matter. That does not go to the guilt um, in the murder case. But I feel like the prosecution is 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 really not going for like a logical legal sort of case. I feel like they're, they're hanging on to that one because it helps sell a story. But it really doesn't matter in a self defense case why you have a weapon at oh, all. Weapon. You okay. know, if what matters is the circumstances, you know, of the shooting. But I th the prosecution is holding on to that one for dear life. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I did not know that. Um, I mean, I, I had heard some basic explanations of, of it being permitted for hunting, but obviously he's not hunting. And that, right. I mean, so, <laughs> but if there's other additional circumstances like training or um, that it seems like he could get off for that one too, even if he's convicted of that one, I feel like it, it's more of a slap on the wrist, of, yeah. if any, nothing else. Um, okay. So, Let's look at the idea, or let's just go through from the top with um, Anthony Huber. This, I believe, was the individual who they have charged uh, Kyle with intentional homicide. This is like the main charge. Um, yeah. I think it's the uh, officially the third charge of their six as the way they've laid it out, um, but it's, you know, it's the most, it's the one with the greatest uh, consequences, life, right. life life sentence in prison. So who, who's Anthony Huber? What do we know about him? Um, and what happened on that night of August 25th? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I believe uh, Anthony Hubert was the uh, fellow who was holding, um, who was chasing behind Rittenhouse with the skateboard. Now, so this is the one that happened. Yes, okay. So after the initial uh, shooting of uh, Rosenbaum, Rosenbaum uh, which took place outside of the uh, car source um, or car doctor, I think it is. I can't remember if it's car source, car doctor. But so maybe we should start with that one just so we can follow yeah. the chronology. Let's yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start with that one. <laughs> All right. So Joseph Rosenbaum is the one that um, I think he was the oldest gentleman. And he, to, it seems like they, they give a lesser charge against Kyle on this one because they assume that it wasn't necessarily intentional. Uh, yeah. It, 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 it's sort of obviously some self-defense. Right, because uh, Rosenbaum was chasing him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and and it, and it was and it was interesting too. Uh, 
so yeah, so Joseph Rosenbaum was uh, a fellow that was um, that was actually at he he was at the um, um, at at the location where uh, where Kyle Rittenhouse was. Um, he was actually back okay. between between two locations. He he was at he was at two separate locations, um, and um, and while he was there, uh, Joseph Rosenbaum we know from video uh, from all sorts of video footage. By the way, did you know that the FBI had been conducting uh, thermal uh, the FBI actually, uh, the FBI actually has uh, released footage. Uh, it was played at trial, and they had been watching the whole the whole night. They were watching the whole uh, city. So I don't know. Maybe they were like waiting to like press like target. from rooftops or yeah, no, no. They drones? had like they had like like drone surveillance footage wow. that they had of the whole thing. So it was interesting watching that stuff. So, uh, but in either case, yeah. so uh, so Rosenbaum was had just recently been released from the hospital where he had been admitted for mental uh, issues. And so he was out. He was there um, at um, at the location where Kyle Rittenhouse was. He had been in multiple verbal spats with multiple people. He was antagonistic to multiple different armed people, according to all witness testimony. Um, He's like trying people, to stir up something. Yeah, yeah. So he he was stirring up stuff. He was stirring uh, stirring up all sorts of stuff. Uh, he was yelling, uh, "Shoot me, nigga!" This is uh, oh, this, wow. this is stuff that he was yelling out to people, and but and he's saying it to the people. There's multiple videos of him setting trash cans on fire, uh, jumping on top of cars, doing all sorts of things, and just just being generally antagonistic. Uh, multiple witnesses said that he had threatened people, he threatened to gut people, to kill them, to murder them, and all of this was well before the Rittenhouse shooting. Okay. Uh, at some point in time, uh, Rittenhouse ends up separated from his group, and there's a police barricade because they they were at two different locations, and he was unable to get back to the larger group that he was with and he ended up and he ended up uh, being threatened multiple times by Joseph Rosenbaum okay who then turns and starts pursuing him okay so, so he's he's chasing him through the lot this is on the car lot yep right and you can see i did see that video where he's running um away from from Rosenbaum and then yeah. and then uh, as he gets really close, you see Kyle turn and and the gun go off and he shoots yeah. him. Even before that, though, they they've shown they've shown slow stills of Kyle Rittenhouse while he was being pursued. He turned and brandished the weapon before that. In addition to, so he's he's trying to quell this threat. He turned and he and he turns and he faces him. It's in a low rated position. He doesn't point it up. And he's he he does things like as Kyle Rittenhouse is running, he's yelling friendly, friendly, friendly. Uh huh. So as he's running away, this all this stuff is happening, and he's trying to say like I'm 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 not I'm not a threat. I'm not a, I'm not against you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, but he's he's still being pursued. And then as they get close, there is a crowd, and this is one of the things that's been really cool about the FBI footage that I mentioned. Um, and and then there was also an independent person there with a drone. Their footage has also been shown. There was a mm -hmm. massive crowd as as Kyle Rittenhouse as they run towards where the cars were. He's running from Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum is at his six. At his twelve o'clock, there's cars, and then there's about seventy five people. And so he's okay. he's running directly towards this entire crowd. When he right. gets in between those cars, and and he's and he's blocked in there. As he turns, Rosenbaum is there. We see a lunge. We see him reach towards. Rittenhouse says that he grabbed his uh, that he grabbed his uh, his weapon. I can't tell from the video, but he reaches and he lunges out, and then um, shots ring off. Uh -huh. And the shots hit him. It doesn't one hit his hand? Yeah, yeah. So one hits his hand. I believe. I believe one. I believe uh, one of them might have been his head, head and, and he had some. And he had some uh, some torso shots. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and we we forgot to mention though one of the other fellows chasing behind. There's uh, 
there's Rittenhouse, there's Rosenbaum, and there's a fellow behind Rosenbaum who has a Glock pistol who fires his pistol before the shooting starts. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that either. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. so, and, and so he doesn't know who's got that. Exactly. And, and so his testimony when Rittenhouse, when he was on the stand, he says, I heard a gunshot. And, but the video that came out before the trial even started, Rittenhouse's legal team um, had already gotten all sorts of video from the night. And they played uh, all sorts of video and, and they were able to put together the entire timeline and they were able to show there was a person standing right here who fired a weapon before Kyle Rittenhouse shot. Yeah. Total of so five shots, only four of which came from Rittenhouse's gun. And, and there was a person right behind Rosenbaum who fired one single shot into the air. Yeah. And, um, well, we got a comment here. Lorena Bobbitt is mentioning that the forensic evidence proved that Rosenbaum reached for his gun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that, that was, and that was, a, that was actually, uh, that was a big one that, that they kept going back and forth about. The prosecution was, mm -hmm. you know, was, was, was trying to, was trying to argue the opposite of that. And, uh, and, and there ended up being a long dialogue back and forth about, you know, whether the barrel was tested or not. Anyway, it was, it, it was a long thing, but yeah, it, you know, it, but if, if we, even if we grant that, that he, even if we say, okay, well, he, he didn't do so. The fact that there's a gunshot that goes off behind them and there's a man chasing you, pursuing you, who's threatened to kill you multiple times before right. this and who's in pursuit of you right now. And you turn and he's lunged at you, you know, yeah, what do you do? Yeah. So exactly. The, it, it, I think the argument was that he, he was only lunging supposedly because he's actually been shot and he's falling. Right. <laughs> but he's falling in such a way that his hand is reaching out to grab, you know, I mean, the first shot or, or at least one of those shots is to the hand, which just goes to show how close he was to the weapon at that point. Yeah. Um, it, it must have been before he actually was, was falling, you know, dying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, 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 uh, uh, to, to bring up another very controversial uh, shooting that happened uh, when we had the, uh, uh, the shooting of, of, of Mike Brown, um, we had yeah. a shooting of, of Mike Brown um, in Ferguson, Missouri. <clears throat> that was actually one of the things that came up as well in their um, uh, in, in their forensic evidence uh, with, with with the Mike Brown shooting. You had Mike Brown. Uh, Mike Brown had sustained a gunshot wound to his hand, uh, but the but the the blood from his hand was inside of the police car, and so where the fight took place, he was shot first there in an attack on the police officer. Uh, yeah. A lot of that stuff didn't come out in the news either. But yeah, so you have either way you have Rosenbaum, entirely too close, uh, and and attempting to do something to someone with a gun, and he ends up shot. Yeah. Okay. So then the next in uh, the next individual uh, that approaches him is is Huber or or is it Gage? Is it Anthony Huber? Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, it's it's uh, um, it's it's Huber. Huber ended up. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. It's Huber. So they're in a different scene or, or a different setting at this point. Are they starting to chase him because he's? Yeah. Yeah. So so on the video and on, and on this on every video, um, Rittenhouse ends up after the gunshots go off, the crowd disperses. And, and that, that okay. FBI and that other drone footage is just wonderful. You see the crowd disperse, obviously, because they're smart people and they just are gunshots. Right. Off. The crowd disperses. Rittenhouse makes a uh, he makes a full circle. He comes back around and he's there in front of he's there in, in front of Rosenbaum. Um, and he's seemingly checking on him, but he picks up his phone. And apparently what we know now is he picked up his phone and, and he called his friend, Dominic Black, and he calls him telling, Hey man, I just, I just shot someone I had to, um, the crowd. Now you can actually hear people 
you can hear people audibly on the video saying, get him, get him, get him. And so now, mm. so now they start moving in towards him. They say, he just shot mm. someone. He shot someone. Get him. And so then he takes him up the street. He starts making his way towards police where he sees the police are. And then yeah. you have these people, uh, Huber uh, and, and Grosskreutz, uh, who now start to give chase. They're, they're just two okay. of the people of the larger crowd. There's a larger crowd chasing them, but these are just two of the people chasing them. Yeah. Okay. So it's both of these incidents happen back to back. Yeah. Apparently, with Huber and uh, and Grosskreutz. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. he made he made it he made it to the street. Uh, he he makes it to the street, and as he's going straight up the street, they're chasing him once he once he gets on the on the main road. Okay. So what what do we know about the incident with Huber? He just he's he was the one that had the skateboard. Yep. Yes. So so he has skateboard. So uh, Rittenhouse is uh, Rittenhouse is running. Uh, crowd starts gaining on him. He gets hit in the back of the head. Uh, I believe he, he he so he he stumbles down. Um, uh, people are you know reaching for grabbing his weapon. He gets kicked in the head. Um, he gets hit over the top of the head with a skateboard. Uh, and so you have these people beat him on top of the head. Uh, I think I think the same guy uh, 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 Huber kicked him in his head and hit him with the skateboard. And then uh, uh, Rittenhouse ends up shooting him. He shoots yeah. him once in the chest. Uh, you see Huber grab his chest. He clutches his chest and he goes down. Okay. So that's over. Yeah. The, and then Gage comes in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, shortly after that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, and he's the one that's holding a gun. Yes. Yes. So, uh, so he, yes. So he's the ones holding a gun. And, and so, what's, so the yeah. what's his testimony? His testimony is sort of the Michael Brown Ferguson, yeah. right? Like my yeah. hands were up. I, yeah, I was yeah, coming yeah, in so. to just pr protect him. I saw yeah. the kid and he looked like he was in danger. So I, I was coming to help him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so he, he's saying, well, you know, he just, he, he shot someone and they're saying, you know, he just, he just, he shot someone, he, he killed someone and I'm trying to help him, trying to apprehend him. You know, he has nothing but lawful, according to his, his testimony, nothing but lawful purposes. Uh, you know, and, and he just, he's trying to put an end to a threat, you know, to, to an active shooter. Uh, so that, that's his testimony, which was very, very interesting. Uh, Cause I got to watch, the, the direct and the cross-examination uh, mm. from him. And it was really interesting uh, how the, the prosecution, uh, and it's really cool because prosecution, uh, I mean, the uh, the defense, um, on cross-examination, one of the, the, the tactics that they use is they'll ask um, very close-ended questions in order to just ascertain the truth. You don't have a lot of leeway in explaining it. And so they were asking him, um, isn't it true, basically, that um, Kyle Rittenhouse did not shoot you when your hands were in the air? Right. Yes, that's correct. And it was not until you pointed your gun at him that <laughs> it wasn't until you pointed your gun at him that he shot you and says, that's correct. Right there, right, <laughs> right. there. This right Case there is for that one. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. So when it's as it relates to the murder charge and and, uh, and, and the shooting of, of, of Grosscrest, those things go out the window. That, that attempted murder stuff goes out the window already sure. right there. I don't see any way possible of a jury convicting based on that. That's the one where there's memes going around with the defense attorney, like going, and then oh, his his uh, uh his, his yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Side. The, the prosecution yeah yeah because the prosecution, prosecution yeah sorry. yeah yeah because when that question was asked and so I mean it was that one and it, it was it was interesting too because uh, there was another point that happened even before that and I had a uh, I had shared a, a snippet of the video um, and uh, let me see I'm trying to remember who was who was being interviewed but. Um, the, the same question was asked of the detective, uh, of, of the lead detective on the case, 
I can't remember the fellow's name, but the lead detective on the case, he was asked the very same question after he reviewed. And, and it was really interesting, too, because the detective comes and he says he didn't really review all of the footage. And he hadn't reviewed very much before he arrested Rittenhouse in the first place. Right. Uh, uh, but after with the videos that he had saw of the shooting, he was actually asked similar questions. Is there any person that Kyle Rittenhouse shot who was not who did not kick him in the head, hit him with a skateboard, uh, you know, point a gun at him uh, or threaten to kill him? And and that detective also, he said, he said, no, like he, he didn't. But it, but the interesting thing, too, is about that detective, that detective. Uh, sorry for being long with it. That detective as no. well. When he was first starting off, he was presenting himself as just someone highly objective. He said, I'm, I'm a truth finder. No, I don't work for the prosecution. <clears throat> and uh, the defense was asking him questions about whether or not Rittenhouse was being chased by Rosenbaum. And the detective okay. actually refused to say, yes, he was chasing, uh, that Rosenbaum was chasing Rittenhouse. He said, well, he was following behind him in his path. I mean, and I, I've never seen someone try to split a hair like that before. Uh, but he was like, isn't it true that he was chasing Kyle Rittenhouse? He was like, well, I don't know that he was chasing him. Oh, jeez. Uh, I'll just say he was follow he was uh, uh he was in his path. And the, wow. and the defense says he was following behind him in his path, going where Rittenhouse <laughs> was going. But the but the but the detective refused to admit that Rittenhouse was being chased, which again calls into question this idea that he was a fact finder, he's there just to find the truth. I mean, who can't admit that someone's being chased? That that just seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, okay. So then the other cases, and I we've talked about him having a pos possession of a firearm at, at the age of seventeen, underage, and we've all um, I mentioned the recklessly endangering safety, right? So he's he's just reckless with the gun, but we've already addressed that too because he was he he actually didn't injure anyone that wasn't a threat to him. Yeah. All right. So. So that those two charges seem seem um, like they they'll fail as well. All right. So based on what you've heard so far, there's only like I think maybe one more day of trial, or did the defense rest their case today? Uh, yeah, I, th I think no, I don't think the defense is rested yet. Um, okay. I, I, I know I know the I know the prosecution rested yesterday. Yes. They they formally rested yesterday. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I, I think I think tomorrow's the last day of trial, and I think that we're supposed to hopefully have a verdict, uh, uh, you know, some, sometime Monday, I would yeah. imagine. So, so Monday is when deliberation, when yeah. the jury will, will yeah. deliberate unless for whatever reason, the judge decides to give a mistrial. Uh, grand yeah. Mistrial. Yeah. Which, which also, I, I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but the judge was, uh, trying to stomp a hole in the prosecutor, uh, so oh, to speak. Uh, oh yeah. 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 Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, the prosecution, the prosecution. Um, so there were several issues that were already discussed, several motions and things like that, uh, that both the prosecution and the defense had put forth. And there were certain topics that the judge said was off limits. One of the ones was, as you discussed uh, 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 at the start of the broadcast about um, whether or not you can refer to uh, the people that have been shot as victims. And the reason is, is because it's actually central to the case, whether or not they're victims, because if it's a self-defense case, you can't really right. call them victims per se. And you don't want to give that sort of image to the jury that, okay, well, you know, they're victims of something. So that there one, was an uh, oppressor was, and a victim. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, which is it, funny because I, I saw all sorts of commentary from um, some celebrities and all sorts of people claiming like that. That's it's so wrong. That you can't call them victims, but notwithstanding. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and, and the, and the prosecution had tried on multiple occasions to bring up several things that were wholly irrelevant. Like the, the judge had to step in several times as the prosecution tried to frame 
it as illegal to protect property with a firearm. And the judge kept repeating, that is not illegal. You keep trying to frame it like it is, and you're tainting the jury because you're, you're, you mm -hmm. keep saying that it's illegal to protect property with a firearm. And the judge said, no, that's actually not true. You can't use deadly force to protect right. property, but you can use a firearm to protect. And and uh, and the multiple people who were there with Rittenhouse, there, there was an older woman, I can't remember her name, but the people who were there and who were armed, the prosecution kept asking the very same questions and the judge kept saying, you have to stop doing that. And so there are several tactics Wow. And, and 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 the um and the judge ended up saying uh, uh yesterday and today as well the judge was saying like yeah you 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 seem to be opening the door to a mistrial the defense is concerned about that because what they see is because in in a lot of cases with mistrials um that doesn't count as double jeopardy the prosecution right. can try you again unless it's unless it's with prejudice and so what it seems like the defense is doing and at least this way that the uh, I'm sorry the prosecution the defense yeah. is framing it like. Uh, well, the prosecution is eager to get a mistrial because they see how terribly this is going, and they, they don't want, want to go to jury. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so the judge, uh, and and it really does seem like the the prosecution is kind of like, I mean, their case is just unraveling. Yeah, and and, and it seems like they're aware of it because like I'm I'm watching uh, the pro I'm watching the prosecutor like get into a verbal back and forth in a very disrespectful manner with the judge. And the judge says, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't get, don't get fresh with me or something to that effect. You know, he tells him, you know, don't, 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 uh, don't speak like that to me, but yeah. And he immediately goes to recess. That was yeah. the one where he goes yeah, into like lunch recess. Se several, several times though, he has, in order to uh, seemingly reprimand the prosecution, he's called for mics and things like that to be muted. And then, and then, and then when, as the issue came up later, he's like, we talked about this already. We've already wow. talked about this and you're doing it again. So. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's, um, you've got the chief prosecutor is Thomas Binger and he's got that line of questioning where it was out of bounds because that, so not only there's the idea that he, the, the judge had denied the request to admit as evidence, uh, or sorry, no, there are a couple of things. First of all, the judge denied, the defense's request to to admit as evidence Anthony Huber's sex offender history. They say that, you know, he's he's basically saying these these whatever alleged crimes are, have taken place prior to the incident are irrelevant yeah. to the case. So they don't want to deal with that. The same time, he also denied the prosecutor's request to admit evidence of Kyle Rittenhouse hitting a girl. Yeah. Yeah. So so and, and not only the evidence of him hitting a girl. But also, the prosecution is upset that uh, that the judge did not allow um, things to be uh, submitted showing that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse said that he wished that he had a gun so he could yes. uh, stop looters. Uh, so so uh, so he was saying that uh, seemingly like he would shoot or stop looters. And the judge was explaining uh, he was explaining the, the the rule of the court, and he was like the evidentiary rule. He was basically saying like, yeah, this this has. He's like, I've already ruled on this, and you can are right. continuing trying to introduce it. And this is one of the reasons why the, the defense was saying, we're going to ask for a mistrial with prejudice because right. you keep trying to introduce this. You're trying to frame this as something similar. And a judge has already said, this is not similar. It's not right. similar. Uh, someone being chased and making split second decisions, whether or not they're guilty of murder versus a person saying, yeah, if I was there and I had a gun, I would protect the property. Kyle Rittenhouse didn't use force in those cases. It's not similar right. enough. It, it, he didn't use uh, force in this, in this case. And he says, you're not even alleging that he used force to protect property. 
you're uh, he's like nothing as part of your case. So what you're trying to uh, admit here, it does not fit. And the prosecution is trying it nonetheless. And so he's really taking the judge off. Yeah, he basically was was go just going into the questions of saying, OK, so it's wrong to I watched a, a, or I, I yeah. listened to a clip of it. I, he was saying you cannot use um, deadly force is what deadly he was force to protect property. And he goes yeah. through, you know, a litany of, of, of yeah, items. Like 25 are, examples he gave. Yeah. yeah. And then he finally says, but in the past, which is kind of the only reason why he knows in the past is from this video that's already been, you know, dismissed as, yeah. as potential for evidence. He's in the past, you have admitted that you would use your AR-15 uh, to shoot looters. Right? Yeah. And, um, and as soon yeah. as he did that, the judge jumped on him. And Yeah. Uh, and it was funny, too, because that, that, that whole line of questioning, too, in, in that very same line of questioning, um, the prosecution was, it was really hilarious because what he was trying to do was, one, uh, so he pulls up Kyle Rittenhouse's TikTok and he says, doesn't your TikTok right here say that, that you want to be famous? You know, it's like, well, what 17 year old, you know, you know, who's on social media is not trying to be famous. Right. And, but, and don't you play video games? Yeah. Yeah. So then he was like, and, and don't, don't you play first person shooter games? And then, and then he asked this ridiculous question, which tells you that, uh, uh, that the prosecutor does not play any games at all because it, any first person shooter games at all. Cause he says, isn't the AR 15, like the uh, same style of weapon in first-person shooter games. And this was a question that I pointed out before in, in my larger Second Amendment conversations when people start talking about military-style weapons. And then, like, they don't think that that applies to a pistol or any type of weapon. Um, mm -hmm. You know, right. uh, people who are enlisted in the military, uh, they usually assign sidearms, uh, which are pistols. Uh, and so right. th th this, this uh, moniker or th this, like, framing of something as a military-style weapon you know, and this is what the prosecutor was going for. And it's just it's like you can just hear the like anti Second Amendment sort of like rhetoric and stuff there where it's like you wanted this gun because it's similar to the one that they have in Call of Duty. It was like, well, yeah, Call of Duty is like every type of weapon is in there. Like, right. I mean, <laughs> like you, you have a Molotov cocktail. Is in you didn't have a grenade. Duty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have a grenade Molotov cocktail. You know, you have a you have a hunting knife. But he was going for something like, OK, so you're this. Oh, and then and then it was really interesting watching him try to attack Kyle Rittenhouse's um, uh, training uh, uh, in the uh, in the, in the firefighter. Uh, I don't know if you saw that part, but he was basically like trying in in the very same uh, cross in the very same cross examination. He was like, you know, so you're a you know you're a pretend medic. You know, you're not you're not really an EMT, wow. even though you said you're an EMT. You know, you've only taken lifeguard courses, and and you were only um, a cadet, a firefighter cadet. You know, you're not actually a firefighter. And so the 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 picture he was painting is you're this fake EMT kid who wants to be famous. You got this gun because it uh, because it looks cool and, you know, they have it on the game system. And then you go out here and now you're trying to protect property with force. You know, you're just and so it's just like just painting this picture of this like a uh, really zealous kid, you know, who was looking for a reason to shoot someone down. That's why he he wanted to get that stuff in about uh, Rittenhouse talking about how he would shoot looters and protesters. Right, so right. It, it, it helps to sell the narrative. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, it, it does cloud your, your opinion of, of him. If you think he's just this reckless kid who wants to shoot everyone up as, as soon as, I mean, and, and there was a lot of inf like inflammatory um, comments going around, I, like all over 
you know, social media around this time, right? Because yeah. people were, were frustrated with the fact that their cities are being destroyed. Yeah. Um, but but you but you know the, the thing the thing that the thing that, that that's still interesting about the way the prosecutor's framing it, if everything that was said like that, if all of that stuff right was said about uh, Carl Reynolds, even if that stuff is true, what does this have to do with the price of tea in China regarding the circumstances of the specific shooting? And this is why the judge was saying like no, so like what you're doing is so like how is this relevant? It it clearly is not like Carl Rittenhouse was not like posted up on a rooftop. You know, he's not like playing Overwatch on a rooftop, you know, at the Denny's across the street from a gas station, picking off people who jump on cars. Like, it's not like, like, right. you know, it's not like DC sniping people. That's clearly not what's happening. So it, it, it that's why I say, I, I feel like the prosecutor, he's, he's wanting to go for a more emotional case instead of one that's based on the specifics. And I feel like he knows that the case is really not that strong for murder and for yeah. really hardly anything else. Good stuff. All right. So, so just briefly. And we'll start to wrap this up, but I, two more things I wanted to talk about. One is what do you think is going to happen? Do you think it more likely to go mistrial? Do you think it's just going to be acquittal? Do you think it will be, if it's a mistrial, would it be with prejudice, which would mean that he could not be retried, right? Yeah, or, so, or is the prosecutor somehow going to come out with a win here? Yeah. So, so, so for me with my, uh, with my, you know, level of understanding in, in politics. I don't think that uh, judges are even free from that. And so when I say that, um, I say that to say that um, I don't think that there would be a mistrial. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, well, it's, I don't think that there will be a mistrial with prejudice, especially. And, and even though judges are supposed to be insulated from political pressure, I don't think that they're immune to it. Like I, I saw like several times, like in, in, in the case, the judge was responding back to certain things that CNN had said about him. He was like, CNN is clearly not like, so he, he's aware of the sort of things that yeah. have been said, and I don't think that you want to be the guy. I think it's like, hey, it would be better uh, uh, in a more utilitarian fashion, at least, uh, as far as outcomes goes, to let the jury decide this thing. Now, that's not to say that, you know, that if there was conviction that the judge wouldn't do that, the, uh, a jury notwithstanding a verdict. But so I don't think that it would be a mistrial with prejudice. Um, I, I think that based on the merits, I think that there's been enough reasonable doubt. And I don't think that there could be a reasonable person on a jury who could say that, and, and they may think that, you know, that it's, you know, that it's, maybe it's likely that Kyle Rittenhouse was looking to be a hero or something and that he ended up doing something bad. I think that, I don't think that anyone could say that beyond a reasonable doubt that he murdered anyone and he was guilty of these crimes. I think that the only thing that is up in the air um, is, is, is the one uh, regarding um, the minor in possession um, mm -hmm. uh, of, of a weapon. Now I've read numerous attorneys from the Wisconsin area, I haven't read one that I, I haven't read a single one, and I just I just went around reading a bunch of them that that uh, that thinks that Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty of something for possessing a weapon, but um, with juries a little bit more predictable, and um, and and I don't sure. think that defense has has done a lot in the trial to kind of go against that one. So that was still up in the air, but I think as far as the lion's share from the other, oh by the way, and they also they uh, he had another charge as well for a violation of curfew, but that one the judge um, dismissed that one. Okay. Yeah, but, so but that, yeah, yeah. But as far as the other ones, I think I think he'll walk on. Got it. Okay. And so, at at most, you would say maybe the jury will find will will give him a slap on the wrist for for having a gun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. Okay. So the the only other thought I wanted to address was was kind of the the response from me from the media. Right. The I kind of how how that has clouded so many people's mind. They're honestly like we're I'm 
I wanted to do an episode on this, not because I think that we can add any significant new details. We're not going to. But the point is, so few people are doing any research. So the the people, like what they're doing, they're just hearing it from the news. And from what I can see, CNN, uh, MSNBC, right? Like all these uh, outlets, CBS, they're they are continuing with the narrative that they started with. And they're they're basically saying, well, if if he doesn't, if he's not found guilty, it's just going to prove that our whole system is filled with right systemic racism, and um, it's all white, a bunch of white supremacists running this country. Right. What do, What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I I think that's uh, it's it is definitely the fix is definitely in in order to invoke a certain response should things not go their way. Um, it, it, the, no matter what the results will be, if Kyle Rittenhouse found guilty, they'll just say, see, we told you that, right. you know, that, that this was, you know, that this was a, a racist kid. And then they'll say, and we still have more work to do, you know, because other people have walked and stuff like that. Right. And then, and then if he, if he's not, they'll say, see, we told you the system is broken. This white supremacist kid has, has gotten away with it. Uh, so yeah, so that, that narrative and, and that, that framing, um, is, is, is what persuades like the vast majority of us like we, we we depend on the framing um i would say that um, in a lot of cases it's because we really don't want to spend the time to do i, I think mm. what in psychology is called uh, that sort of central processing it takes so much more work you have to you have to um deal with the ambiguities and the sorts of things like well that's really not always the case you have to like commit yourself to dealing with the facts and i think that with with a lot of us and i think with most of us in this century, in where we live, we're, we're for more microwave answers and we want quick responses, um, that we would just prefer to go with the easiest explanation. And it's easier uh, mm -hmm. to have a nameless, faceless boogeyman um, who's behind the scenes pulling the curtain, making sure everything always goes wrong. And, and, and it doesn't matter. Nothing can ever um, uh, dissuade us from that position. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, the, the, the media put this fix in a long time ago. And, and I don't have any, again, like I said, when, when we talked about the, when we talked about the Michael Brown case, for example, to bring up mm -hmm. another controversial issue, right. very few people, very few people after that case uh, went and read the grand jury report that came out. Mm -hmm. um, I know several people that I know personally who still hold on to the original narrative, um, despite the fact that actual witnesses who were there of all races um, told one version of events and then that version of events is diametrically opposed to the one that was in the media. Mm -hmm. And most of the media said nothing about it afterward. There were a few people who came back out and said we were wrong. Um, but most of the media said nothing about it. We all just moved on. And so people still believe something about that incident that none of the actual witnesses and none of the forensic evidence actually said. And so mm -hmm. I think the same thing will happen here. Wow. Okay, so well, let's highlight one individual who has <laughs> at least... Uh, done some honest assessment of the case since the trial has begun, uh, and that is from the Young Turks. Uh, who is who is this person? Uh, oh, uh, I can't even remember. I can't even remember her name. Uh, but yes, yeah, she she yes yeah, yeah, she, okay. yeah, she she's one of the hosts for the for the Young Turks. Uh, okay. And yeah, so she was one of the very uh, very early reporters on on the issue. Um, okay. And yeah, and she. So let's let's hear what she says. Just a couple minutes here. I was wrong about that, okay? So I wanna correct the record, I was in fact wrong about that. So look, these details matter because 
if you're gonna make an argument that you acted in self-defense, there needs to be some proof that there was an imminent threat. Now, what really mattered to me was how all of this unfolded. What was the thing that sparked it? What started all of it? And initially, I was under the assumption that Rittenhouse was the person who was chasing after Joseph Rosenbaum, that, that that's how it had started. But I was wrong about that, okay? So I wanna correct the record, I was in fact wrong about that. And to show you the evidence to reinforce that I was wrong about that, I wanna to go to this video that shows how everything really started. Here is where we first see Joseph Rosenbaum, the first person Kyle Rittenhouse fatally shoots that night. He joins the fight against the armed civilians. As other protesters tried to stop him. Rosenbaum has just been released from the hospital after undergoing mental health treatment. His reasons for being here are unclear, and he doesn't appear to have attended a protest before. But his actions on this night will add to an already volatile situation. Rittenhouse walks towards a parking lot where cars are being vandalized. He passes Joseph Rosenbaum, who was fighting with the armed men at the gas station earlier. Rosenbaum now starts chasing Rittenhouse. Rosenbaum now starts chasing Rittenhouse. And throws a plastic bag that holds his belongings from the hospital. Close behind them, a man holds up a handgun and fires it. We don't know why. Then Rosenbaum lunges towards Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse fires four times. So those details matter, right? Who was chasing who matters. The gunshots by some other unidentified person, that matters. Especially if you're Rittenhouse and you're running away and then you hear shots and then Rosenbaum lunges toward him. Hmm. Yeah, and, and you see, and, and that, that sort of thing. So when you have someone who was originally the complete opposite way, and, and just with that evidence, if, if she's going the other way, this is why I don't think that a jury. I mean, if you can, if you can convince, you know, the Young Turks, uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think, did you have a really good chance convincing Case the strangers? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. So, anyways, I, hopefully, more people do see it that way and can change their their opinion based on the evidence. But I think I think it's more likely, as as we said prior to that clip, is that the media is going to continue to to say what they wanted to say all along and to show how how the system is rigged. You remember so, the Covington School uh, Catholic boys, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, all of the media reports said uh, they were talking about the, the menacing nature of the of the young white man harassing some poor native. Uh, yeah. uh, and, you know, and we heard nothing of, of the actual racists who were actually there at the thing. Uh, a lot of people still don't know of the actual racists who were there. Um, at the statue antagonizing everybody, but they thought it was the Covington School Catholic boys. And, you know, mm. that ended up not being true. And if it wasn't for video, just like with the Rittenhouse case, if we didn't have the video footage that we have, this would be the accepted narrative that almost everyone has. We yeah. have nothing to counter that, so. Yeah, well, it's uh, been a, a pleasure chatting with you. Um, I will look forward to talking with you again about um, some of the other topics we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, but 
Um, where, if someone wants to keep following you and is interested in your political commentary, your you your funny memes that you share, <laughs> should we just befriend you on Facebook or anywhere yeah. else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you can uh, follow my Facebook. Some name on there is Leandre. It says Spook Williams McBride. Long story. Uh, I'm also <laughs> a, a, a political blackout. Uh, so I have a uh, there's a there's a political page that, that I run. Uh, we're in we're in a couple countries. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so a political blackout. Um, that's two separate words. Political blackout. The blackout is a play on the fact that I'm black. Uh, the uh, so so yes. Yeah, so follow uh, political blackout. We have good commentary there. There's myself and a couple uh, friends. We uh, we run it and and yeah, Leandra McBride. Awesome. Follow me on Facebook. But yeah, okay. uh, so, yeah. Thank you, sir, for having me. Uh, you know, sorry to talk with you, man. Yeah, had a had a blast. So I'll see you hopefully in the next week or two, maybe before uh, Thanksgiving. I'd love to chat with you more about the uh, Supreme Court case, uh, Dobbs versus Jackson. All right, man. All right, man. All right, later.